Welcome, everyone, to this week's episode of the Super Fantastic Nerd Hour. I am here with my wonderful co-host, Ali Matu. And I'm here with my super nerdy co-host, AJ Conrad. Uh, today we're talking role-playing games and a little bit more around that. We got a fun Super Fantastic Nerd Hour crossover, or infinite crossover, chamber today. Conrad, what are we talking about? Well, today we're going to be pitting Knights of Badassdom, which has just been released, against Community, the Advanced Dungeons and Dragons episode, which happened in Season 2. It was Episode 14, for those of you keeping track. And that's going to lead into a cool top five today. We're going to be talking about um, fandom films, our top five fandom films. And uh, I'm really interested to see how you define that, Conrad, and looking forward to that discussion. Cool. I am too. We will. I am. I'm actually very curious to see what you unveil in this this (laughs) little top five that we have going on. So the whole idea for this episode uh, kind of revolved around this uh, film that just came out, Knights of Badassdom, which we're going to dive into. Um, and we thought it might be fun to kind of talk about role-playing and how role-playing games have been seen in culture, portrayed, and all the kind of issues that come out of them. Because once you start looking at the issue, gosh, there's been, there's been a lot that's happened around role-playing games. Yeah, no, there definitely has. And I have you ever played role playing games, Ollie? Yeah, I. I mean, it's when you start defining it, so many things fall into the category of role playing games. So I think there's there's a tabletop role playing game, stuff like Dungeons and Dragons, which I've played a few times. I'm not um, an expert, and I couldn't even tell you. I think I played. The, game, the games I've played, I think they were Dungeons & Dragons, not Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. It was a little bit more kind of loosey with the rules. I've kind of LARPed, maybe. <laughs> I'm not sure. You are not sure whether you have LARPed or not? No, I mean, it kind of depends on how you start defining it. Like, I haven't been in one of those massive epic battles that happens in the forest. Um, but I've done kind of like backdoor not backdoor but backyard larping with some friends um and then you know i've i've played a few um few of the video games of massively on massively multiplayer online role playing games um and i also did some of the trading card games that were like super big and continue to be big um so I, i've kind of dilly dabbled how about yourself i i can say i dabbled i i this is not you know um my my forte although i have a lot of friends who are very into a lot of this stuff the um the the massive online role playing games are a little it's not that i don't want to play them it's that i am afraid of getting too addicted to them yeah, yeah. um and just going down that rabbit hole i feel like there's no return for somebody like me i would just <laughs> completely just become too too uh, crazed about it. So, well, if you could play, let's say you had the total freedom of time, and maybe it's a world like what we talked about in Ready Player One, where you totally have the ability to do this. If you could, what massively multiplayer online game would you play? Oh well, I've played a little. I've played a little World of Warcraft, and it was wow. enough to tell me, oh, you really shouldn't do this. <laughs> 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 so, so I've avoided thus far, um, but I absolutely see the attraction yeah you know there's um 
there haven't really been too many um too many of these games, the massively multiplayer online role-playing games, the more pegs. Keep saying and, that so fast. I, I can know. obviously not even say it once. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I always worry that I'm going to put the words out of order when I say more pegs. So I just say, just kind of like say each word. Um, but there haven't been many that really got me excited about, about the game, except for the Star Trek one, which I played and, um, the Star Wars one, which wasn't that good, um, and I know there's a few others. I, I like the more sci-fi genre um, of those games, but you know, I I just don't have the patience to do that to do those games because you have to spend so much time leveling up your character to get to a place where it's even worth your while um, to right, play the game. Which is kind of funny because they address that in Ready Player One, just with how oh yeah the main character <laughs> Wade is is. Basically, having to go and hitch rides to other planets to to gain enough power for his character and and tools for his character. Yeah, he has to like battle sheep in order to kind of level up points and and stuff like that. And you know, in the in a lot of these modern games, um, you can even hire people, like real life people, to kind of level up your characters and stuff, which kind of parallels cheating. I know, I know, and that kind of parallels back to the whole storyline with Ready Player One, but. This is what's so interesting about the role-playing, um, just role-playing games in general, is you can do them with cards. So you can do stuff like Magic the Gathering. And I was super big into the Star Trek customizable card game in the in the mid-'90s. That was what I played, and I loved it. Um, there was also a Marvel-based uh, role-playing, card role-playing game that I played in the 90s. And I know, like, a lot... Um, a lot of uh, people right now they're really into Yu-Gi-Oh, mm-hmm. and there's you know these card games are incredibly popular. So you can do that. You can do the video games like what we talked about. Um, and there's so many tabletop role-playing games beyond um, Dungeons and Dragons. Um, and then there's LARPing. It's it's a really um, it's a really diverse community. It is, in fact, a um sort of a game center has just opened up really close by my house. And I was overhearing um, one of my friends talk about how she was going to play Magic the Gathering there <laughs> with a few people and how excited she was. So it was, it's it's a very vibrant community. People are really into it. And throughout these different iterations what strikes me um whether it's online or if it's in person is how social it well, is right just like what your friend was saying um i i go in a lot of um comic book stores or gaming stores things like this and either, you'll always see um this area where a bunch of people are just getting together meeting some of them know each other some of them are just meet um meeting for the first time and they're playing these games it's all about it's really about finding other people who have the similar interest and um, kind of entering this world and using your imagination together. Right. So want to dive in a little bit? Yeah. Yeah. So um, where should we take this? Should we talk Dungeons and Dragons? Well, we can talk Dungeons and Dragons. Admittedly, my knowledge of it is not, it is rudimentary, um, I played a little bit, but not definitely not extensively enough to to talk about it in any sort of a masterful way. Yeah, my um, level of 
nerd cred with D and D is is pretty low. I haven't really. I've leveled up maybe once <laughs> that area of my cred, but you know, I know a little bit. Um, I can actually. I, I can see why people love it, though. Oh yeah, and I can see that it's just so much fun. I mean, it's really just using your imagination and keeping different rules straight. Um, but, you know, there's different versions of D&D that have more rules than others, so. Yeah, and it all it all kind of started with D&D. I think D&D was the, um, the first major successful role-playing game. And, you know, there's stuff that came out before it and stuff that D&D sort of um, kind of based itself on. It got in trouble a little bit for yeah. basing itself on Lord of the Rings and the whole Tolkien world. They had to change some of their names. Uh, they had to, I think they had to remove uh, Hobbit and change it to Halfling, stuff like that. But um, I think it, it's kind of D&D started the whole thing in the 70s. And mm-hmm. Uh, for those of you who haven't played it, it's basically this um, this game where you have a dungeon master who is um, creating the basics of a storyline. And, and he's, he acts more of, as like the referee. Yeah, or she. Or she. Um, or she. And they, they're the referee. They kind of make sure that um, – and they also make sure – a good uh, dungeon master is making sure everyone kind of is having a good time as well. Um, and then either – People create their own characters, or maybe the dungeon master has created a character for them. And then basically all you really do is imagine yourself playing this game. And some people get really into it, and some people kind of talk as their character, and they um, they kind of act out things. And other people are like, I strike my sword at the Balrog. Um <laughs> Uh, or I'm sorry, you're not allowed to say Balrog anymore. I was about to say. Yeah, you have to say I strike my sword at the Type Four Demon. Um, so it's there's really not much more to it than that. It's really a game of imagination, right? And storytelling. And storytelling. Yeah, yeah. You know, I was um, I came across this quote by uh, John Favreau, uh, director of Iron Man one and two, and you know, big geek and. He said um, he credits Dungeons and Dragons with giving him the background in uh, imagination and storytelling and um, how to create a balance between these things. And he said it was one of the major uh, parts of his childhood that helped him become a director and a storyteller. Well, and that is no surprise in my mind (laughs) (laughs) that he did that, but also that he played Dungeons and Dragons. So... So, um, it, but it, this is this is the interesting thing. I think that, and and you could say this about a lot of things, but I think Dungeons and Dragons got a bit of a negative um, reputation or connotation. Music has too in the past because I don't know people don't really understand it or don't understand what it's about and start to make waves because they think it means one thing and. It's really not about that at all. And what I am talking about is that the ga- Dungeons and Dragons was somehow, well, not somehow, we know how it was, but linked to basically witchcraft and, yeah. and <laughs> devil worship. And people were saying that if you were playing this, then obviously you were in league with the devil. And, and <laughs> it was going to, it, it, you know, it's a lot like they were saying heavy metal music and, yeah. and punk rock and all this and, stuff. And video games now. 
Well, yeah, and now video yeah. games um, is yeah, going I'm, to cause people to do horrible things like murder people and suicide and things like that. It's so funny to me. I mean, this is very serious because it it it, it really got blamed for a lot of these these things, the whole satanic ritual abuse stuff, uh, all everything you're talking about. But it's so funny to me because if anyone who's ever played D&D knows it's so far away from right. reality. Right. It's such a fantasy world. I it's I don't know. Well, um, it, I think there's very good reasons for this. This D&D was coming into popularity Right around that time um, in the 80s where uh, there was this total panic about satanic ritual abuse and it, it that whole thing kind of started from this, uh, this book called uh, Michelle Remembers about this individual who recovered all these memories of being the victim of, of satanic abuse and kind of that led to this huge state of panic. Um, which to me seems very similar to what Jenny McCarthy did with uh, the whole uh, vaccine scare, that vaccines lead to Do autism. Do not get me started. Well, it's like the same exact kind of pattern of what happened. Um, someone says unsubstantiated things, and they say it in a place where they have a lot of influence, and it leads to a huge state of panic. Um, well, not and- just panic, but basically a misinformation campaign oh yeah and a smear campaign and you know i think that this was i don't know um i think that the jenny mccarthy stuff is is horrible um absolutely and would generally think that it that what she has done has caused a lot more damage well I think it's hard to define that because what happened with uh, the satanic ritual abuse stuff is it led to a lot of people in my field and in law enforcement um, trying to assess for this stuff but doing it in this 1980s way Mm -hmm. where people didn't know about how you can so easily implant false memories um, uh, to kids and to adults as well. Uh, there's a psychologist, Elizabeth Loftus, who, um, you know, the, you had the satanic stuff in the 80s, which led to the memory wars in the 90s. And Elizabeth Loftus was one of the researchers who demonstrated how easy it is to influence the memories of mm-hmm. other people. And um, so we've had false confession under false confession. And there's a great book about this called uh, Remembering Saint or Satan, <laughs> the, a tragic case of recovered memory. And it dives into the psychology of all this stuff. But um, you had a lot of families that were torn apart um, as a as a result of these false memories. Um, you had a lot of um, kind of a red scare type of situation, but with like nerds and geeks that are playing Dungeons and Dragons. And Jenny McCarthy's done a lot of crap too with um, people not getting vaccinated and being under risk for all these illnesses that we had gotten rid of in the United States. But it's uh, to me, they seem like very similar pal- parallel type of stories. Agreed. Um, but I guess what I meant is that I think the ability to cause more damage just because of the platform that she had and yeah. now how quickly false information can be spread. It's a lot easier now, isn't it? In media and over the internet and just through various news articles and on in social media. Yeah. So, um, and, you know, you can, and not just with that, but you can see other, how how people, and this has always been the case, I think, but 
basically, you know, sometimes stories cut, take hold in the news and it's really not the whole story. Yeah. And people can get very hurt by that personally. And, you know, it's it's very upsetting to me just to see how quickly people are willing to basically take each other down. Well, and how it's really interesting how similar everything with the the blame on Dungeons and Dragons is to now a lot of the blame on video games. Right. So back then we had um, um, people were claiming that Dungeons and Dragons is, is um, bringing people's perception of reality, that it's contributing to these um, psychiatric conditions, that these people um, are, are getting them are, are more likely to be diagnosed with mental illnesses. And psychologists after psychologists did research on this and demonstrated there's absolutely no link between any of this. But, you know, sometimes stuff happens. Sometimes someone does... Um, engage in some type of criminal activity or is really struggling with something and they also happen to be playing D&D but well the same thing with you know a, a lot of things that have been linked you know I, I know Marilyn Manson got a lot of flack after some of these terrible tragedies that happened at Columbine and, and yeah. other things and I you know I, like that was one thing that they were listening to but that was what they were focused on um and i remember they were focusing a lot on how those kids were goth quote unquote not you know what i mean like like yeah and it's it's just i think it's trying to put people into a role and be like look out for that you know what i mean yeah <laughs> and to and place blame and to find a very neat pat answer to some horrible it's, tragedy it's a very easy political place to place to put blame on these very large societal problems we're dealing with. We saw this, um, we've seen this time and time again. I mean, there's been so many shootings in the United States over the last few years. And uh, so quickly the media says, uh, oh, well, this guy owned Grand Theft Auto or um, has been known to to play Dungeons & Dragons back then, you know. Um, And it's this, it's this, cognitive bias we have we don't notice all it's like it's like have fear of um flying right you know those big examples where people uh where there has been um an airplane crash or, or a tragedy that's happened those stick out in our minds very easily it's this availability heuristic we can very easily think of those examples what we don't think about are the thousands and thousands of flights that don't go down and in fact it's the safest way to to fly to travel it's the exact same thing with these video games, with um, with role playing, with all of these things. Um, we don't notice the millions of people that play D and D, that LARP, that play video games, and are just fine. Which is the vast, vast majority of people. Right. So, are you ready then to talk about LARPing a little? Bit? Yeah, yeah. Let's talk about LARPing. Um, so, so, how's how's LARPing different? Well, LARP, LARPing and LARP stands for Live Action Role Playing. And it is basically where something like Dungeons something it's not Dungeons and Dragons, but it is, or it can be, I guess. But um, it's basically when you go out with a group of people and you're acting out the different roles. And this could be in costumes and, and tools and weapons, like fake weapons, of course. Um, like rubber weapons and stuff like that. 
Right. <laughs> and it, I mean, it, and they completely vary. It could be a, a small game or it could be a pretty large game and it depends on the community that you're in. Yeah. Um, and I think a pretty, if anybody's interested in, in learning a little bit about it, um, there was a great documentary from a few years ago from 2006 uh, called Darkon. And it's about a LARPing group in um, Baltimore. And it follows a lot of the different people that are involved in that particular community. Um, and I want to say the first time I ever really heard about it was in the 80s. Mm. Um, and I had friends that did this. And, um, you know, different people have different characters and you you can be in the game and you have to basically play according to whatever rules you've set up for those characters Similar to Dungeons and Dragons, there's a game master, which would be like the dungeon master, who uh, is in charge of designing the the parameters of the game. But it's much more about designing right. than it is like controlling as a game unfolds. Yeah, they can set up things, but they don't really get involved necessarily. Yeah. It's more complicated with that many people and right. the wide spaces and all that, yeah. Right. Um, and, you know, it's and, and people do this in different ways. And I mean, there's also, um, you know, like if you want to consider it like the Civil War reenactment groups or those kinds of mm -hmm. things, which are what I would consider to be LARPing. <laughs> oh, it's total LARPing. <laughs> Absolutely total LARPing. Um, and then at a lot of the Ren Fairs, have you ever been to a Ren Fair? You know, I have not. I've got my uh, f uh, one of my friends, uh, Matt Fitzgerald. He always goes, and I'm waiting for him to take me because I I've never experienced one, and I really want to. I have not actually gone to one either. I confess, my sister hmm. and a lot of my friends have gone. I was supposed to go to one at some point and was unable to attend. Mm -hmm. um, I, I was felled with the plague. So, oh no, the plague! I got better, um, but <laughs> it would have been very Ren Fairy of you to go and have the plague and have I mean, the plague and spread it amongst the denizens of the you Ren could LARP, Fair. You could LARP as a plague-ridden wench, I guess. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I mean, they have fun things at the Ren Fairs. They have you know glass blowing and um, you know different fire eaters and dancers and whatever and it's it's you know it's it's supposed to be a lot of fun big legs of turkey big legs of turkey indeed mm -hmm. sometimes they have ligers from what i've been told <laughs> um but it's you know it, it's not exactly larping but a lot of the people who put on the red ren fair i would say are larping well and you're talking about this coming out and being aware of it in the 80s, and that's one of the things I was surprised about, again, in the um, in the prep for this show, is um, I first found out about LARPing just a few years ago. Um, I think I might have first found out about it um, when this news made the headlines that um, the the Google Maps vehicle, the, the vehicle that kind of goes around and films all these different places and then puts it up on Google Maps, it had like come across this big... Um, <laughs> this big group of LARPers and they're, they were then in the street view of Google Maps and you can kind of look them up. So that I was like, whoa, LARPing, what is this? And kind of looked into it more. But it's been around for a while. Oh, um, yeah. Well, and I guess I shouldn't say Renfair is LARPing, but I would say it's a form of role playing. Um, 
yeah, you can role play at the Ren Faire and and there's there's diversity here too. Some people are in character throughout um the LARP. Um some people are not and it, it makes me think of improv theater mm-hmm. and um how that works. It, it makes me think of um like costume parties and kind of inviting someone over to kind of play a certain part. Um, it makes me think of, you know, a wide variety of things. Like uh, It makes la- me think of pretending to to act out Star Wars as a kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you know? No, totally. Um, and actually, totally. my awesome nephew, um, I was visiting with him this weekend, and he is very into different superheroes right now. Yeah. And What's he, he into right now? Well, I think it's either he's into them or he really knows the, his audience. <laughs> <laughs> i.e. <Meaning> you <laughs> me um but he has this pretty awesome batman costume oh man and he awesome. he what he has been doing apparently not just for me but recently he will be in costume with the mask on and and he's very forceful about the fact that i am batman and then he will take <laughs> off the mask and whisper i am bruce wayne Oh my gosh, that's so cute. Yeah. So and you know, even even sort of seeing that happen this weekend just made me remember of all the, you know, the the make believe games you play when you're a kid. Um oh, yeah. mine mostly involved Star Wars a lot. Yeah. Um Well, I was visiting uh one of my nephews um a couple of uh, or back in around Thanksgiving, yeah, back in California and um um uh, Randy is Randy's my cousin, a friend of the show as well, and uh, their little their little uh, little one um, is really into Star Wars and Harry Potter. So I was thinking Harry Potter would have been such a fun thing. Oh, to to role to, play as to role now? play with your friends. Oh my gosh! Oh yeah. Well, we went into the backyard, and um, some of my other nieces and nephews they were playing with a football, um, and um, my little nephew. Um, was he picked up a stick and started casting these spells, and he was doing Expecto Patronum and mm-hmm. Expelliarmus, and then at some point the universe changed and it, it turned into a lightsaber. Um, and so I thought that was pretty cool. But uh, it's it's very sim- it it's tapping into something like that. These universes, these characters we loved, and um, role playing gives us a chance to kind of. Uh, play some of that out and you know i don't think it's that different from um dressing up in your jersey and going out and uh, playing a football game uh, you know it's so that's so funny that you say that because um i was watching uh watching dark on with uh bill my significant other and and my friend derek who's also a friend of the show and we were talking about about larping and and just about how it tends to people who don't understand it tend to get very not defensive but very judgmental mm. of it and my argument was i don't i don't really find it different from sports fans or or you know anybody who's really into anything for that matter yeah. and and you go out and and maybe you play fantasy football or baseball or whatever and and you go and gather with your friends and you have that thing in common and and that's how you want to spend your free time. And I don't think that I have any problem with that. Yeah, it, it, it's so it's so funny because I think if people get paid to role play, so if you work at 
at Disney, if you're a cast member at Disney and you were um, playing Aladdin or a princess, that's totally fine that right. you can do this as a job. And if you, you know, sometimes at Ren Fairs, I think there's, again, I haven't been, but there's this idea that's some people there are kind of like, uh, they might be a part of the act and it's a part of the experience. And like last year, I wanted, um, I wanted to, I couldn't work into my schedule, but there's this cool zombie run, like a zombie 5K. Oh, don't get me started about the, the zombie role playing stuff. Oh, um, yeah. On my, on my, on my other podcast, Reanimated, um, one of the things that we talked about this week was that, um, there is actually a company or a game where you can basically pay to be locked in a room with a zombie and what? there's a time thing <laughs> on it so that every few minutes the chain that the zombie is chained to the floor gets longer. Oh my god. And so the goal is to get out of the room without being attacked by the zombie. What happens if the zombie reaches you? See, this is what I have. I was having a debate about. So I think if the zombie reaches you, you should turn into a zombie and then attack the other people in the room because that's oh. what should happen. Yes. However, what really happens is that you're just out of the game and you have to pretend to die or just sit on the floor and you're inert. <laughs> Which is what happens in most forms of LARPing and role-playing. So, like, in these experiences, I feel like role-playing is so much more accepted. But when people are kind of doing it more for fun, uh, there's a stigma against it. And while I haven't LARPed, I have done a lot of cosplaying. And, well, no, I should say I've kind of... Are you I've coming LARPed. out as a cosplayer? I'm, I'm, I was out as a cosplayer. What are you talking about, Conrad? <laughs> I'm it's just still, being silly. <laughs> it's totally out there. Um, I, I have kind of LARPed twice. So um, one time I was, uh, it was at my friend's boss's ho- Halloween party. And I, um, I, we got to his place. Um, I got out of the car and the guy said, oh, I've got the perfect costume for you. And he, it's this like giant evil clown thing. And I kind of hoisted it and it rested on my shoulders. So, you know, I'm a taller guy. I'm like six foot two. And this thing rested on my shoulders and added about four feet to my height. You're like terrifying me. I don't like the idea of this costume at all. (laughs) Oh, but well, it was Halloween. I don't care. Clowns are freaking scary. Well, I kind of really got into it. And for the rest oh, of Oh no, the, you role played a creepy clown? I role played a sober creepy Ew. clown. Maybe we'll put a photo in the show notes. It's super scary. I want and, you to put a photo in the show notes. <laughs> well, I got into character and I kind of created this whole storyline of how this clown came to be and how he was totally like misunderstood and all he wanted was to connect with other people, but everyone was scared away by his appearance. And I, I maintained that character throughout the rest of the evening, and I would not, I would not break character. It was so much fun. Um, well, and that's the thing. What's interesting to me is how judgmental, and I'm not saying all people, but generally, you see things about LARPing or you hear things about LARPing, and it's it's there's generally a negative connotation when people bring it up who mm-hmm. aren't in that community or don't have an understanding of that community, and. I mean, the thing is that I don't understand about that is that, have you ever seen how into Halloween most adults are? Yeah. Oh, that's exactly what I was going to say is. 
And I think that that's awesome. I mean, people like to make costumes. They like to to do super cool things with them. Um, How many people do you talk to that say Halloween's my favorite holiday? Right. And they they get to do all this creative stuff. Right. And and it's it's a great use of their imagination. And, you know, it's not even people who have kids necessarily. Um, I would say Halloween allows everybody to be kids. Um, But that's not to say, I think part of where the the negative connotation comes from is that, like in all things, some people go a little too far or take things a little too far in, 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 with anything. Sometimes people can get a little bit too focused or fanatic about something. Yeah. And um, maybe they're living a little bit too much in that world and... I don't, again, I think it's up to them if they want to do that, but I, I just wish that there wasn't such sort of a, a, a stigma surrounding LARPing that it feels yeah. like there sometimes is. No, I, I agree. I wish I could could talk to people who are interested in Halloween and who wish they could do that more. And I'd be like, um, you totally can. You right. can do it any day of the week you want. Um, there's other people out there, no matter what you like, um, who also like that stuff, you know, um, there's, there's a wide variety of ways to be able to continue doing this. Um, this past, this past Halloween, I was marching in the, uh, the New York city Halloween parade and just the, the diversity of genres of characters. This one guy, um, was dressed as, um, Picasso. In that in that famous Picasso self-portrait. So he had painted his face, created this frame, and created a background, and was marching as the painting come to life. How cool is that? It's awesome. You know, and I can, love and I love I especially love the homemade costumes. Oh yeah. I think that yeah. those are, are just super amazing and fun to see. And New York, I mean, we do live in the city where you can see all sorts of amazing things like that all the time. Like, it's not just limited to Halloween. Um, Yeah, and, you know, we get people who like to role-play get this bad uh, stereotype attached to them. And, you know, it's it's similar with cosplay. And we'll put a link out into the show notes about this. Um, But all the research that's been done has shown that people who do this stuff are just like everyone else. Um, uh, again, friend of the show, Andrea Ledimenti, psychologist out in California. She's done some of the preliminary research on psychology of cosplay, found that people are just, just as normal as everyone else. And in fact, this is a diverse community, not only in terms of gender, and there's all types of people participating, also in terms of ethnicity, also in terms of um, sexuality, also in terms of genres that people are interested in and jobs that people have. Um, it's a really cool world. Yeah, so I'm all, I'm all about cosplay. I'm, I'm all for people doing it. So um, this kind of gets us into some of the more recent media depictions of role-playing. And this kind of gets us to Knights of Badassdom and community. So are you ready, Conrad? I'm not quite ready, but I think we can, I think we can try it. Can you muster up the courage to venture into the Infinite Crossover Chamber? Welcome to the Infinite Crossover Chamber. That was a good one. Thank you. I think Uh, I always say that, but I'm always impressed with the sound effects. (laughs) 
you do it, I get really anxious right before because I what honestly What if you can't do it right? Well, and I don't know which one I'm going to do. Am I going to do the lasers? <laughs> Am I going to do the door? Am I going to go warp speed? At this one, I changed it right in the middle. I was doing doors and then I turned it into warp speed. So that is how the secret of the Infinite Crossover sound effect is made. So um, what do we have in the chamber today, Conrad? Uh, today we have Knights of Badassdom, which just came out a very short while ago, just last week. Mm-hmm. And that is being pitted against the community episode dealing with LARPing, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons, which was episode 14 in season two. Yeah, and Knights of Badassdom is kind of interesting. It's had one of these really interesting releases. Mm-hmm. I think it like technically came out in 2013, but you couldn't see it anywhere. Yeah, I'm not sure quite what happened. It, it was yeah. a limited release or something like that. And that, and then you were able to see it just starting last week and download it or, or do whatever. And now it's everywhere. Right. Um, you can download it um, off of any, any of the major platforms. Um, the, it did have um, one of those... Campaigns where you can, um, if you go to tog.com and do a search for Knights of Badassdom, you can host a screening. If you get enough people to to buy tickets, that a screening will happen at the movie theater, um, and that kind of stuff has been happening with with a lot of projects like this. Um, but yeah, it had a fun, interesting release, but it's everywhere now. And the community episode, I think you mentioned this earlier, it came out a few years ago. Um, it was season two, episode 14, Advanced Dungeons and Dragons. Yes. And what we're discussing today in the chamber or what we're pitting against each other is, are we talking about which portrays LARPing? Like how we... Is- or role-playing. I or role playing, yeah. What I think we're looking which at, which portrays what, them better, or yes, okay, yes. And, Just making sure that I understand what the question was. Well, and always better is a subjective term mm-hmm. that that we'll dive into and what we even mean by that. So, um, which one should we tackle first? Um, and also, I think we should try to say not try. <laughs> we should try to. Keep away from spoilers for, for Knights of Badassdom so other That's people right. can enjoy it. Yeah, since Knights of Badassdom is uh, brand new, um, we're going to be keeping the spoiler free. So no spoilers here. Although, like, there's not much to spoil. It's not like the stories to either episodes are that complicated, but we will be uh, avoiding spoilers. Well, hopefully we will. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So um, which one would you like to tackle, Conrad? I guess we can try Knights since we brought it up first. All right. All right. So you were the one that found this movie um, and you sent me a text a, uh, a while back and you're like, oh my gosh, we should totally do a uh, Super Fantastic Nerd Hour episode on this. So how did you even, like, what was, well, what was your experience of Knights of Badassdom? Of watching this film? Yeah. Or, um, well, first of all, we should say it was is directed by... Joe Lynch, and he does like quite a few genre films. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, he's I, I do, I, I don't know this for certain, but I suspect he is probably a fan of LARPing. Um, and I did get that sense with some of the things that happened within the film. Yeah, you really get the sense that, um, the people who made this really understand and appreciate it. 
Right. Um, and it had a, a very good cast. I mean, oh it has goodness. Peter Dinklage, Summer Glau. Um, oh, my gosh. T- to name um, the first two people that I love in this film. <laughs> Danny Pudi, who is from Community, mm-hmm. uh, is, is, makes his way into the movie kind of midway through. Um, that was awesome. And I also got, I mean, my sense watching the film was that everyone had a lot of fun doing this. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, so it's very hard for me to talk about this without how, doing spoilers. All <laughs> how the heck did they get Peter uh, Dinklage and Summer Glau to be in this movie? Like, I, I get the impression that this movie is not a huge, big budget work. Like, it must have been that... Um, some of the producers were friends with these people and said, hey, are you willing to, to do this movie? You don't have a lot of money. Um, but, like, it's amazing to have such awesome um, people from other nerdy works, whether it's Game of Thrones or Firefly or Sarah Connor Chronicles, to be in the movie. That was so cool. Yes. Um, and it's... I think I think maybe some people called favors in, but just ba- I I just think these actors had a fun time doing this, so maybe agreed to it because it was a labor of love. Yeah, and you know I think we we're not giving away too much by saying there's a group of LARPers. They accidentally release a um, an evil spirit, and that evil spirit kinda, and madness ensues. And madness ensues, and it all kind of happens in this game of LARPing, which sets up a really cool premise where these LARPers are role-playing and they're having to face um, a real evil thing that at first glance people don't really necessarily recognize as a real threat. Right. Um, and there were things that I really, there were things I was like, oh, that that's a pretty fun thing that they threw into this film and little details related to LARPing that I thought were fun. Yeah. Um and dungeon dungeons and dragons and and different comments that they make. But I I also got kind of that negative feeling that they yeah. were being portrayed in a negative way. So what what were you picking up on? Just one of the main protagonists is constantly making fun of everybody and you know, it's there's just these little sort of side comments and I just feel like it's it's not celebrating it as much as making fun of it. It's one of those really it's a fine line until it becomes super not fine and until people cross completely cross the line. And we see that happen in a lot of these documentaries about fans. Um and I I always hate it when that happens. Right, and I have to say, you know, just just bringing in terms of talking about one of those documentaries, the Darkon documentary that I watched, I felt like the filmmakers were were just very sensitive to the fact that these are this is something these people love, and so they're yeah. not going to go in and just make fun of the whole thing. Um, yeah. And and you know, definitely there were some people that were talking about things, and and maybe. Perhaps a little too into the LARPing, but the way they managed to portray them was with a lot of humanity and respect. And I did not feel like, and granted, you know, we are talking about what is purportedly a comedy, I yep. guess, but it, it felt like this was 
more than just gentle teasing or whatever. Um, I don't, I don't want to start any wars here, but this is it reminded me a little of the Big Bang Theory issue that I have. Oh no, that's already raising my blood pressure. So, <laughs> what what was it that that evoked Big Bang for you? Um, just some of the treatment of the characters. And again, I'm trying to, I'm trying to do this without spoilers, so I know this is not. Um, Can you say which actor's character? Or um, well, it was the, the whatever, main character, the main guy. Yeah. The yeah. quote unquote hero, I guess, is the how, how we're supposed to follow him. And he's kind of a character where he's like too cool for LARPing, and he kind of stumbles into this whole situation un- unwillingly. Right. So was it okay? What? And it's you know it's the thing is it's he used to be involved in D and D, which you you get the sense of that from some of what the other characters say. But he is he is quite um, judgmental. Mm-hmm. And makes a lot of negative com- negative comments. I guess what bothered me is that the the people that he gets taken into this situation with are supposed to be his best friends, and he huh. doesn't treat them very well, and it bothers uh, me. That's that's a good point. That and and there is one thing I will say about nerdy people generally is that they tend to stick together. Yeah, and you know, so the natural counterpoint to that is this guy's having a really bad weekend. Um, what happens in the very beginning of the film, there's, uh, you know, he's dealing with some stuff going on in his relationship. So his friends are trying to cheer him up. Um, you know, one of the things that I was picking up on too, that you're talking about is how he does have a strong background in this stuff. Um, and then he is actively making fun of it. Mm -hmm. And one of the problems with big bang is how, um, all of these people, all of these characters are into every aspect of geekery and they're kind of a parody of geekery and those type of people don't exist. Mm-hmm. I also feel like um, this type of character who might have a background and be best friends with these other people and then kind of making fun of all of it might not exist either. That It seems a little bit unrealistic. And what kind of gets him into the game is Summer Glau's character and th- that's where I was kind of going back and forth on this movie. Um, I liked that there were um, many uh, female characters in the movie. and But that- she's also, and this is not to, she is the super hot chick. Exactly. That and- is also reluctantly being forced to participate. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. So there, it's cool that there are multiple women in the movie. And that they were LARPing too, and it doesn't just portray this as only guys do this. But it was playing on that idea um, that that is exactly what we're criticizing, that these too cool for school, too cool for LARPing people are kind of in it and there are leads. Right. So, and on the the flip side of that, you have the community episode. Uh, Yeah. Which Which is a little bit of an opposite scenario. Yeah, so the community episode, um, first off, it starts out in a, such an epic Lord of the Rings-style um, way where there's this um, you know, awesome narrator that kind of evokes the very beginning of um, the Fellowship of the Ring, the film, and the way they kind of give the backstory in that introduction. So it starts out that way, but the basic premise is there's this character, Neil, 
and he's been bullied and teased. And this, this guy is really depressed. He's feeling suicidal. And the whole community gang, the study group, gets together to play a game of Dungeons and Dragons with him because they know how much he loves D&D. Um, and without giving away too much of the plot, um, one of the characters, Chevy Chase's character, um, is upset that he's excluded from this and he ends up becoming the main villain in the Dungeons and Dragons story that unfolds. Well, and also this is a group of people who know nothing about D&D. Yeah. <laughs> Yet they all rally to do this for this character or this this friend of their theirs. And they you watch as the the game progresses and they actually do get into it. <laughs> and that's what I loved about this episode so much is um when this first aired, I had not played a game of D&D and it completely uh demystified it for me. Right. Um and it helped me understand what this game's even about. Uh, like one of my favorite lines um, is uh, the narrator goes, and so the group described themselves walking and Abed confirmed that they were indeed walking. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, it is silly and it is also somewhat somewhat of a gentle teasing of D&D, mm. I would say. But there's a lot more respect given it here somehow. Mm. Um, and the treatment is just different. So, you know, where I come out in terms of the crossover is that I think the community episode wins. Well, I felt like the community episode was a lot more real. Mm -hmm. Um, it, you could actually see this completely happening. And, um, I also thought, you know, I had the, I had some mixed feelings with how much they showed the teasing that Neil goes through. But I thought it was done in a real and honest way. And this is some of the stuff that actually does happen. And I, in some ways, it's it's very brave for them to take on this topic and do it with justice, the topic of, of teasing and bullying and how it does lead people to become depressed and suicidal in some situations. Well, um, and, and I also think that, you know, you can even be teased and bullied by sometimes your own friends. And, yeah, and yeah. you know, you even within any little community or friends, or whatever, and people are not always the most sensitive. So, I felt like it was a very realistic showing of that. Um, well, before I reveal my choice, um, was there anything about the community episode that you thought you strongly didn't like, or thought is a disservice to the community? Um, it's you know, I think anytime you have this kind of an episode. On a sitcom, is that what I guess this would be? Right? Nah, it's, I don't know. It's, Whatever. Sure. Sitcom, I think it's hard comedy. to to. I mean, you're always going to get some of the sort of obvious things that you're just throwing in there. But you know, I don't really follow the show, so maybe I would have more if I knew a little bit more about the characters. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, I think. I, I think I could take whatever issues I had with that over the ones I had with Knights of Battistum. Yeah, you know, I, I, I agree with you. And um, the community episode is a by far the better depiction of role-playing to me. It's very realistic. And while the Knights of Badestum is um, in some ways more of a, 
I mean, they're both comedies, but I feel like Knights of Bad Estim takes a little bit more liberty with some of these things, that it does play up some of those stereotypes. Um, for me, it comes down to not only is what is the more realistic version of role playing, but also what's what one which which uh, episode versus film um, better respects um, and honors the fan community. And I think that has to be Community's episode, um, Advanced Dungeons & Dragons. Um, I, I think it's beloved by fans of Dungeons & Dragons. And it's, you know, you're saying that you're, you don't follow Community. I do. And I think the, the show Community so much honors uh, fans of so many different genres, whether it's Doctor Who with their parody, which is Inspector Space Time, and... Um, or if it's you know the the Star Trek references that come back and forth and um, so many different genres that they uh, evoke in that show, I, I think yeah. it's the- and I, I mean I've only seen a few episodes and I probably should watch a few more because everything that I sh- everything I see about it I like mm-hmm. and I think that that's honestly what it comes down to is honoring as opposed to tearing down. Mm-hmm. And, you know, um, us us nerds have had enough of that (laughs) going on. (laughs) And it's it's kind of weird because geek and nerd culture becomes so much more popular. Yeah. And some of the aspects are so celebrated. But it's still like there's still this sort of strange corner that I feel is mean spirited when when people look at the nerd community. Well, so Community clearly wins this crossover. Um, do you still recommend that people check out Knights of Bad Estim? Oh, I mean, I think people are going to enjoy it, but it's not, you know, it, I was a bit disappointed from the expectations that I had going into it. Yeah, and I, I thought it was um, an, uh, a good, oh, an okay film, a fun sort of hour and a half Um not my favorite. I might rather watch a few more episodes of Community instead. But um, <laughs> if you're if you're into LARPing, I think you you have to see it just because it's you know a major motion picture about LARPing. So, all right, shall we exit? We shall. Let's exit the infinite crossover chamber. On to the top five fandom films. Right. So. How would you define this? I, you know, I have a few different ideas or I had a few different ideas about this. And I guess the the films on my list are mainly, I, they're films that, that I feel were done not only because the director really and the writers really wanted to do them, but also there's this sort of... Not that this one's for the fans, but that the fans would just really get a kick out of certain things or different things that are within the film. Okay. I um I had some of those similar ideas. I to me, the movie needed to be about um a fan or a group of fans and kind of follow them on some type of journey. And the top five that I selected are fans of different types of things. Um, so my number one isn't necessarily like better than my number five, but it just shows a different genre. So uh, I wish I could have just put these in like a non-categorized order, but you know, we'll, we'll see how it plays out. 
All right. Um, oh, I should say the one thing I didn't put in here were documentaries about fans. So things like The People versus George Lucas or Trekkies, Trekkies and yeah, Trekkies too. And uh, we'll put a link up. I found a great list of all of those things, and people can check those out. But I have many feels about stuff like that, many thoughts as well, and maybe they'll be best saved for another episode. Okay. Um, do you mind if I start out the, the top five? Please do, my lady. Um, my number five is Firefly. And I know I have broken a rule, but I had to put it in. <laughs> okay. I'll, well, not Firefly I'll, the show. So, oh, okay. Um. So, did you <laughs> did you ever watch Firefly? Of course, it's one of my favorite sci-fi shows. Okay. So you know the whole the whole story about Firefly. Absolutely. About the fact that it was canceled. Yeah. Very quickly. And, uh, you know, it was heartbreaking to a lot of fans, including myself. Yeah. And so what happened is that they weren't able to really wrap up the the storyline of the of the and it's it, the show was was written and produced or directed by uh, Joss Whedon. Mm-hmm. Um, and so what happened was, is that he really wanted to be able to finish this. The fans were going crazy and so they actually were able to get funding because of all of this crazy support um, to do a film to wrap up the series, which is yeah. really an incredible thing. It's it's a first time a canceled TV show has um, come back in this way. So I guess I didn't cheat, but Serenity is the film, but it is related to Firefly. Okay. Um, and that was, um, you know... I thought it when it, it's a film that came out because of the fandom. Right. Yeah. And it you know it's 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 a it is an act of love to complete something like that for the fans. Like I've never heard of anything like that happening. So Okay. Okay. Um so that is my number 5. Um I can't argue with Firefly. Um Serenity. Or Serenity, yeah. So my number 5 is very different. Um and I am um my f- my mind reading is telling me we're not going to have a mind meld today. Uh, so my number five is the Lego movie. Um, and I, I don't think you've seen it, have you? I have not yet seen it. Yeah. I do know I need to, and, and you are one of many who have suggested I need to see this. So uh, so I can't, uh, I'm, I can't really explain too much without spoiling it, so I'm not going to do that. But what I will say is it's a movie that takes some surprising turns and delves into some much more deeper um, emotional issues than I expected. And anyone who has any memory of playing with Lego toys and is a fan of those types of toys and of um, imaginative play that comes out of that, I think you're going to really appreciate the movie because it really does celebrate uh, the fandom of uh, of Lego. So I can't say too much more about it, but it's um, everyone should check it out. It's just a good film, and there's not a lot of good films out right now, so it's it's a good one to see. All right. What is your number four? Uh, my number four is Mallrats. Hmm. Oh, that's a pretty good one. Yeah, so I, I see why uh, you picked that. I see what you did there. <laughs> so um, if you're, you know, this is Kevin Smith's, um, one of his films, 
uh, came out in 1995, and it's about these. Two, uh, it's about it's about a lot of stuff, um, but it basically is following a few different characters who have a love of a lot of different nerdy things, and they share a lot of stories in this mall. There's a larger storyline too, but it celebrates a lot of different stuff that we talk about on the show, um, and it really shows. Um, a, a few different characters who are big fans of comic books and of other things, and it just shows them kind of going about their their world, and uh, I liked it. I think it's a lot of fun. Okay, my number four, I really did break a rule, and I'll Again. go up to that. I know. Well, <laughs> I didn't really break the previous rule. I just, you know, it was connected, so I felt okay. like I needed to own up. But I picked Kill Bill because it is... The ultimate... No, I get it. I get... Uh, yeah. And no. and it's not just... But I should also say, pretty much, while a lot of the Quentin Tarantino films are... Uh, he is such a fan of... Yeah. The, and he is such a... Just a film fanatic. And yes. Kill Bill was just every single martial arts and, you know, had the, the you know, anybody who was into those kung fu movies or anything like that... Um, he pulled out every single theme you could possibly pull out. Yeah. Um, I and, really like this pick, Conrad. Right. Uh, so so it, it, really, and, it celebrates all of those things. And as you're watching it, you're seeing pieces and references that he's he's pulled out of all these films that I used to watch when I was like a teenager and, and in college. And it was just like, oh, there, there's a little bit of Drunken Master too. Oh, there's Enter the Dragon. Oh, you know, mm-hmm. so... And it was just such a such a great. Um, it was very well done to boot, but um, that is why I cheated and put it into my top five for this. I don't, I don't think it's a cheat. I think Quentin Tarantino is a fan of these uh, of the genre of of those martial arts oh, movies. It's a, and- it's a cheat because I used Kill Bill my one of my top five origin stories. So, oh uh, well, mm, see, okay, okay. I thought in my head I was doing the calculations and I was like, I believe Conrad had selected that as an honorable mention, so I wasn't going to mention it, but uh, okay. All right. So you get a buy for that. Um, My number three. Citizen Kane. That's all I have to say to you, Ollie. (laughs) Oh, gosh. It was a big, big No. No. Giant Oscar snub. Sorry. Um, Number three. (laughs) Number three um, for me is Almost Famous. And uh, I really love this film a lot. Um, it came out in uh, 2000. Um, a lot, uh, I watched it again recently, and a lot of uh, um, actors that are really popular right now are in this film. So I think um, a lot of people will, will find someone they love in this movie. But the movie is really about this um, what happens when a fan of something. Um, because of their love and knowledge of, uh, in this case, music and rock and roll, um, what happens if they become involved in the world of it? Um, if they're covering it as a journalist or something like that, and what happens when you see, you know, how the sausage is made? What what happens when you see the real kind of behind the scenes? And you know, it's a film that takes place in the '70s, in the early '70s, and rock and roll and what's happening over there. But um, I think it's a movie that also has a lot of relevance now. Because this kind of stuff is happening a lot more now where people might – where fans might start a blog and that leads to other opportunities of actually working with 
um, people or actors or writers of different things that they love? And how do you maintain objectivity there? What happens when you see the reality of something you love? And it explores all, all those themes, and it's, um, it's a great film. So It's I, one of my favorites. Yeah. It, and it actually has one of my favorite uh, Philip Seymour Hoffman scenes in it. Which scene? Um, it's when the main character calls him, and Philip Seymour Hoffman plays sort of the veteran writer. Mm-hmm. And basically says, you know, it it makes this little like monologue about not being cool. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Do you know what I'm I'm talking about? Yeah, I'm home. I'm not cool. Where else do you think I'd be? Right. Um, And then, you know, it's a it's a it's a very touching scene. I don't want to get too far into it, but it's really uh it's uh, like it's one of those scenes that just just stays with you, basically, in my opinion. Yeah, so many great performances. Even like Jimmy Fallon plays a great character in this film. Um, so, pe- people should check it out. It's uh, I, I don't think it got as much uh, attention as as it should have, but um, great film. Yep. What's um, your number? My where are we number three? Mm-hmm. My number three is Galaxy Quest. Oh, uh, that's my number one. Uh-huh. Well, it's just, it's it's so well done. It really is. And I really enjoyed this film. I've watched it, admittedly, several times. <laughs> <laughs> and I just feel like it honors, um, obviously, Star Trek. Yeah. Um, and it even does. It does have characters that are making fun of, of conventions and sci-fi and things like that, but there's also it also turns around and there there's just a lot of love involved in this film. Yeah, you know it it um, it talks about not only Star Trek and um, but it's also the actors' perspective mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. of what happens when you're involved in something that becomes a major pop culture phenomenon and how that impacts you and it goes behind the scenes of the Star Trek conventions and what that is like. Um, and then it also celebrates the fans, too, later on in the story and their kind of deep knowledge of um, of this world. It was It's so beloved by Trekkies that um, it was rated at the last Star Trek official convention. It was rated as the number seventh best Star Trek film of all time <laughs> ahead of uh, of a bunch of other films, including the most recent Star Trek Into Darkness. So it's loved by Trekkies and it's um, it, it shows a lot of complexity of uh, not only the the celebrity side and the actors and actresses side, but also the fan side. Um, love this film. And it's it's so funny. And Tim Allen does such a great Captain Kirk, William Shatner type of character. He does. Uh, I think they're all fantastic. I highly recommend. Great. Sigourney this is, Weaver. I know. This um, is making me want to watch it again. Oh, we should just watch it again and do a bunch of episodes on it. Yeah. Because uh, <laughs> Alan Rickman is in it. Yeah. Um, oh, Sam Rockwell. Oh, I can go on and on. Yes. Great movie. Great pick. So number two. All right. Um, I'll let you go first on number two. Well, speaking of Star Trek, mine is actually the 2009 Star Trek. Oh. And the reason why I picked that is because I feel, even I know that some people had 
certain issues with this film, but I also feel like it was a film that was made with a lot of love. Um, there were elements that were re- were rebooted and and you know, but I did feel like it honored Star Trek. Mm-hmm. And I know I hear it. I hear it in your voice. Um, what do you hear? I don't know. <laughs> uh, perhaps a bit of judgment. No, know. no, no. Um, but I just, and it's one of those films, like I went in and I was so excited to see it and I was sort of keeping myself um, in, in the cone of silence away from all the spoilers mm-hmm. because I didn't really want to know anything about it until I was able to sit down and enjoy it as a film. And even though I was in a theater that was full of super annoying people, I was able to block it all out and watch it and then really yeah. enjoy it. I think this is a great, great pick. Um, I, you know, what, one of the things I'm liking about your picks is you're also including, um, I think, films uh, where the directors really celebrated the fandom and took that into heart as they were creating and weaving the story together. I, I wasn't really thinking from that perspective. Um, and if I did, I, I, I'd like to think that I would have also picked Star Trek, 2009 Star Trek in it. It's one of my favorites. Um, I, I really think the film celebrates the core aspects of these characters. And I, I think it revitalized the f- franchise. And it did it in a way where it was so brilliant by creating this parallel universe where everything that's come before is still there in this other universe. And now we have this new, fresh, parallel universe where things can go in different directions. And that opened up the door completely to what could happen in Star Trek while still keeping it true to what it is. And that was brilliant, Um, brilliant move to the production team. Um, A little bit less brilliant move with Star Trek Into Darkness. Um, And we can save that. I think we should revisit um, Star Trek Into Darkness uh, with the one-year anniversary coming up. But uh, I like that pick. Nicely done, Conrad. How about you? My number two is very different than Star Trek. Um, My number two is 1993's Rudy. Oh, I can see that. Yeah, this is uh, this is a story um, of a guy who's always wanted to play for Notre Dame, play football for Notre Dame, and he's a smaller guy. This is a true life story, and uh, I have a friend who went to Notre Dame, and apparently, like they play this film like all the time, and it's like a major event to to watch this movie. But um, it's a true life story of how he came to um, fight the odds and fulfill his dream. Um, but what I like about this is it shows a different aspect of fandom. You know, sometimes I think we do, we're a little hard on people who are sports fans, but there's a lot of parallels here. We have a lot more in common than we do not. And it shows what happens. What's the power of being a fan and having a dream of being a part of something that you love and how it can lead you to grow and change and achieve um, a big goal. And it also is starring um, Sean Aston who is a huge um, person in geek culture by his role in um, uh, Lord of the Rings as Samwise Gamgee's. And um, cool. I, I love this film. When I am really feeling uh, not productive and like I'm slacking off too much, I watch Rudy and it just kind of inspires me. I also get a great musical score. I know I talk about the scores a lot, but it's got this super inspirational um, score to it. So, yeah, I really love this film. Um, my number one was Shaun of the Dead. Oh, I love Shaun of the Dead. This is a, this, it celebrates the z- whole zombie genre. Yep. 
and so many pieces of it and it's really it's really well done it's hilarious also one of my comfort films so that is what i am rounding out with um and i also like todd fuzz which is a similar idea in that Mm -hmm. it's you know boring it's referencing tons of like those buddy cop films and things like that Mm -hmm. um but i just feel like they really these these um um Edgar Edgar Wright and we also saw this, you know, with we've talked about Edgar Wright before and I think that he really has a love for for a lot of geeky things and he honors them. Yeah. Really well. Um and yeah. also I shouldn't I should also include Nick Frost and Simon Pegg in that in that equation. Oh yeah. Um but I just feel like it's it, somebody who really knows what what the fans want and he truly delivers and in a not saccharine and forced way yeah um yeah. and i really like scott pilgrim for because of that as well so yeah. um but yeah so that which and, we talked about in a previous episode right yeah. um but that that rounds out my top five well, you know, we can't wait to hear all of your top fives. Uh, something that we've loved is um, having the engagement um, over the last few episodes um, of hearing everyone else's choices. We obviously can't choose everything, um, so we, uh, we want to hear from your top fives. So send us a tweet, email the show, um, or uh, contact us online. But we, we're also doing something a little bit different this week. We're just going to shoot out just a couple or just a few honorable mentions um uh, conrad do you have any honorable mentions this week i'm only going to mention a couple um one is is not yet out but almost out and that it would be the veronica mars movie yeah um another fan favorite done basically through crowdsourcing and because fans love the show so much um so kind of similar to the serenity firefly situation although several years apart um, and then the other one I have isn't necessarily a film, but it is um, a show, Flight of the Concords. Mm-hmm. And they reference so many dorky music things and, you know, 80s references. And anybody who's ever watched that show, it's it's amazing how many little pieces of geekery they throw in there. Good picks. Um, I've got a couple myself. Um We'll put a link out, um, Dust Films in uh, Sinflex on, uh, or Sinfix, I think, on YouTube has a uh, series by Dustin McLean, uh, McLean. It's called Homemade Movies, where basically he uh, recreates famous scenes in movies like Star Wars or movie trailers, um, and he does them using toys you'd find all around the home, and they're hilarious, and they're amazing, and they're just identical to the originals um so check those out my favorite is his star wars run um so uh, that would be my top pick actually from his the other is a a fan-made film um mortal kombat rebirth which anyone who's a fan of the fighting genre um needs to check it out it was an amazing fan-made movie that led to this um web series that came out they have two seasons of it um and it's really cool that these fans were able to get together and make this stuff and make it awesome and bring it back. Cool. Um, so I think I think we are about ready to wrap up. 
We're ready to wrap up. So uh, once again, we always hope that our episodes lead to a conversation about um, what you think about role playing, what you thought about these new these two movies, as well as your favorite fandom films. So email us at info at superfantasticnerdhour dot com. You can also tweet us at nerdhour on Twitter. And Conrad, where can people find you? They can find me on Twitter. I am Die Prince, and I can also be found for my other show, Reanimated, um, at Reanimated PCast on Twitter. And I am at uh, Olimatu on Twitter, and you can also find me at Brain Knows Better, where I write about the psychology of science fiction. And until next time, live long and prosper. Indeed. <laughs>